I have been in isolation for too long now, and I recognize I need a way out. I'm not eager, and I'm not sure how, but I know it is unhealthy to remain in isolation. If you can relate, let's do this together. Welcome to the podcast, Not I, Not Isolated Anymore. This is B, And this is Stephanie. Last episode, B, you mentioned people relating identity to identity rather than energy to energy. This is when we were discussing the end of your marriage, which was also the collapse of a number of narratives, including a friendship narrative that collapsed. Essentially, it, it was that these friends were more committed to their identity as being loyal friends to my ex than recognizing the years of energetic interaction that we have had that led me to believe that we actually were friends. But yes, that concept of relating energy to energy versus identity to identity, that is one that we want to talk about more. That can be a contributing factor to feeling isolated. If the only interactions that you have are identity to identity, there's certainly a role for those types of interactions. But if they're, if they're exclusively the, the way that you interact with other people, that can be, feel very isolating. And conversely, relating energy to energy is that type of relationship that you yourself are now looking to. Because I'm consciously looking for it now, but, but I think it's what we all seek at the end of the day. So what, what is identity to identity? It, uh, you, you mentioned one example, people relating to you in your identity as their friend's wife <laughs> and, and then choosing to relate to you, therefore, in your identity as her ex-wife rather than... This person that they had gotten to know. Right. Exactly, exactly. I think one way that might help to think about it is to think of identity as a mask almost. And in some cases, it's inevitable, right? I mean, in some situations, for example, in a work setting or in a classroom setting, uh, a classroom setting is easy, right? I mean, you show up as a student and the teacher shows up as a teacher and we're not showing up as friends to catch up on each other's lives or whatever. There's, there's an objective and there are clear roles. And in that situation, you want to be meaning identity to identity. That's what's logical and what's called for in that energetic exchange. Yeah, in fact, it's it's really necessary to do the work that that relationship is designed to do for those for both of those people to kind of stay within their identity lanes. True. And, Sometimes. And yet, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, there definitely are situations in which someone will stick firmly to their identity and... I guess, refuse to come and meet someone on an energetic level. Yeah, I mean, now that you say that, you know, when I think about, for instance, the teachers that really made an impression on me, they would be the ones where I had more of a relationship with them than just they're my teacher and I'm their student. That's really interesting, of course. So then, I, that, so I wonder, though, if that energetic connection made the identity to identity connection even more meaningful because presumably those teachers are probably the ones from whom you felt you learned more. Exactly, yeah. And I wonder if something similar could be said about a work setting because sure enough, you know, you each show up in your roles as whatever it is that you're doing at work, 
but there has to be room for that energetic connection to to see each other even as you show up in your role that's required for work and what i mean by that is that if we're colleagues we would want to feel seen in the moment and what we bring to the table at work not that we necessarily need to feel seen about our personal lives that might happen too but then it's happening in in an exchange of us as friends, not as colleagues at work. There certainly seems to be some workplaces and spaces that are very invested in keeping things identity to identity and other workplaces that are more open to, to use the terms they're using, energetic exchanges between people, people relating to each other, kind of whole person to whole person. So, we, for instance, we worked in a workplace, an academic workplace, which was pretty stratified by role. Yes, we did work in a place that was very stratified by role. And I think that there was counterproductive the way that everybody was expected to relate exclusively identity to identity. And I mean, we can talk more about it, right? I mean, it was um, an academic department and there, uh, there were basically the stakeholders were faculty, staff and the students. I mean, we could go on a little further. There was also the level of community and perhaps donors and what have you. But sticking to just faculty, staff, and and students. The people that were there every day. The people that were there every day and that had active roles in the department. It was very clear that without a doubt, the faculty were at the very top of the food chain, if you will. And then the students, as far as who got served, and the staff were, without a doubt, at the bottom of, of the ladder, to the point that I remember there were some uncomfortable exchanges to where, for example, if a faculty office had to be moved, the faculty did not lift a finger and we had to go in there and pack up all of their boxes with all of their trash and years of, you know, just things that, that you, ew, you know, it's like, really, you're going to allow another human being to do this for you simply because... You know, you happen to land in your slot and I happen to land in my slot. I, I, I don't know that I'm arriving at a, at a very clear point with this, but this, this was definitely one of the first instances that it made it very clear to me, just this, we're relating identity to identity in no regard whatsoever for each other's energetic experience as human beings. And I feel that that's something that, I mean, we're going to keep it to this to this work setting for now, but, but clearly these are concepts that can be a- applied in any circle, and cer- certainly in, in the world as a whole. I mean, I think we started with the workplace because, yeah, there are absolutely work cultures that are almost dependent on people leaving themselves, their, their true selves, at the door when they enter. And that there are clear roles and clear identities that people have. And, you know, there, there can be arguments as to whether that is more functional or less functional in the end. But it, it definitely seems less humane and more isolating for the people who work in those, in those spaces and places to have to be in an environment for eight, nine hours a day where you need to keep most of yourself hidden. Like you said, leave yourself at the door, go in, do the work, not feel seen, go back home and do it all over again the next day. Yeah, I mean, and I think, so maybe it would be interesting to, to give an example of what it might have looked like um, for there to have been an energetic connection somewhere along the line in in that department. And I suppose what it would have been 
And this is something I'm, I'm sure that happened to me, for example, feeling the that feeling seen energetically, having made a contribution that was valued by my fellow colleagues. And that is something that I I did receive from my fellow colleagues and in, in certain cases from students. But from faculty, it, it seems that it was very, very difficult to... Um, to find those moments where you were seen really as a human being and and acknowledged in the contribution that that you're bringing i mean maybe it was that they they were too attached to identity and too used to seeing everything through the lens of identity and perhaps having the need to have more transactional relationships to where you're interested in relationships that may be beneficial to you in your career. I mean, and obviously to faculty, staff would be perfectly expendable. So there's no reason to to see them as human beings. Yeah, I mean, this was just the whole academic environment is very invested in this role, this identity of faculty. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these people spent years and years and years developing the expertise and the credentials to claim that identity. Which also begs the question, what experiences did they have that led them to seek the identity where they would be at the top of the food chain? Yes. And I mean, I imagine there's very similar things might play out in places like uh, hospitals where you have doctors and nurses and hospital staff and patients where you have this stratified work environments where people's value is determined in part by their identity, which is really what we're talking about when we're relating, we're talking about relating identity to identity. We're seeing what's the value of this other person and you're deciding the value of this other person based on their identity rather than based on the energetic exchanges that you've had with this person, based on any kind of real connection. Right, or at least based on the understanding that they are a fellow human being with basic energetic needs, just like everybody else. Again, not that the roles need to be meshed together. You know, you can still be the professor and I can still be staff, but there can be a palpable shared understanding that we're both human beings with basic energetic needs that need to be met. You see this play out in families as well, where, you know, we all come into a family where there's already roles set up, Obviously, you know, you're born and you're the child and you have your parents and their identity as the parents and your identity as the child kind of governs a lot of the interactions and the exchanges in that relationship for many, many, many years. But you get to a point, I certainly did, I think my children probably have as well, where that becomes very limiting. You don't want to just have an identity to identity relationship with the people in your family, you would like to know them beyond their role as a parent, and you would like to be known by them beyond your role. It's just, well, that's the child. You're my child. <laughs> and in families, it's it's so much more difficult because, because you, of course, you get used to the roles that we each play. And as children grow up, it is sometimes difficult for the parent to to allow the room for this being who is 
you know, growing into their full energetic self and to give them the space and allow the roles and, and energies to, to, to shift, to accommodate to, to the needs of the person as they're growing up. By the same token, to the family that's growing up, right? I mean, if we think about that as an energetic unit, it absolutely requires the flexibility of identity for the different individuals to be able to give each other the space to grow energetically, the space or whatever they need. So as you moving to this period emerging from isolation, what are your concerns? How are you going to negotiate going forward to make sure that you're relating energy to energy rather than identity to identity? So how does one know? That's a good question. And, and we were talking about this earlier, and I think we may have hit the, the nail on the head. That is the concept that in the moment that you are feeling seen energetically, that is an energy to energy connection. So it could absolutely happen in a work setting, right? When you're being acknowledged for a contribution or, or whatever it may be. But in that moment where you feel seen as a human being, that is an energy to energy connection as opposed to identity to identity, as we have been talking about. How will I know that those interactions are there? I mean, part of it, you just feel it, right? Do you think it's fair to say that most people default to identity to identity is somehow safer? I think you're saying exactly the way it is. Sure, it is safer because it allows you to not show up vulnerably, right? I'm just showing up under the script, under what I'm supposed to do here. Ooh, I guess here we're getting close to that other realization about me that I have always been more comfortable in relationships around an objective because it's the same thing that that you just said I mean it's because it's safer it's because it's you don't have to be vulnerable and yeah no just that you don't have to be vulnerable because you, you can hide behind that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing here so yes it would be fair to say that people default to relating identity to identity because it's easier and also I think because it has the connotation of we're taking care of business here, right? I mean, there's, you know, it's 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 almost like the energetic aspect of it is the the feelings aspect of it. The, oh, you know, we don't do that here. You know, we're all about work, sort of thing. I mean, I I, I think um, there's a combination of these elements, no? The messy, complicated part. Although, you know, I was talking not just in work situations. I think very often people can default to identity to identity, as you experienced with the friends of of your ex wife in interpersonal relationships as well. You use the word script. I think that that's a good one. We've been talking about narrative. Scripts and narratives kind of go together. A lot of narratives come with scripts. For instance, you kind of played out one script in your life that was not a true narrative of, of yourself in that, you know, you married a man and had kids and <laughs> became the wife. You know, you you adopted this identity. that Absolutely. But that's because narratives come with belonging, right? Mm-hmm. And at some point in my life, early on in my life, clearly, it became clear to me on some level of consciousness that in order to belong in that circle that was my family, or, or actually in that circle, in any of the circles that I lived in, I had to be a girl, act like a girl, etc. And then, um, sure, went and got married, relating identity to identity, but to be fair, I mean, I think that that's, although I'm sure that that this happens a lot to people, that is a very 
that was a really bad case <laughs> of me not seeing my energy, no? But but I think that it's also valuable to explore what that looks like in just in, in more general everyday interactions so that we're able to try to seek it. No, I mean, hopefully not everyone is trapped behind identities to such an extent like I was and that they really don't see each other at all. Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned every day, right? We did say these identities can be useful. Like we can't just go necessarily throughout our day every day meeting everyone's energy energy to energy, right? So you go to the pharmacist to pick up a prescription, that's fine. You're the customer, they're You're exactly. the customer, they're the, they're the pharmacist, mm-hmm. done, right? And, mm-hmm. the, you know, and there, there is absolutely something that can be fulfilling and meaningful to a person if they have an identity, a certain role in the community or circle, and the, playing that role well. I think that the important thing, because you're absolutely right, everywhere we go, we kind of have an identity, we're operating under identities. And, and, and that's fine. That's, that's the way it should be. But hopefully, there's at least one circle in your life, mm-hmm. where the identities can fall away, and it's safe, and you feel seen, you, and, and you do get your basic energetic need filled of feeling seen. And hopefully, that might be your family. And sadly, not every family is necessarily that I think it can actually be even more challenging often in the right. family because there is all this pre-established, pre-established identities identity. exactly mm-hmm. that it can be hard for for people to step outside of these the narratives are sometimes so entrenched and not only that but at, at that point we're not only talking about the identities that w- we grow into because you know we're going to grow into but then there's also energetic patterns that happen in every circle where there's someone who's say the scapegoat or the person that will accept more on their plate and not complain. And so, you know, that it's easier to pile it up onto that person. I mean, there, there are all of these identities that, that we play, and it is difficult to get out from under them in a setting like a family. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I think we're saying is that, you know, identity to identity is useful in kind of getting the work of the world done. <laughs> but it's, it does not meet your energetic needs. It's not a source of real belonging. It's conditional. And because it is conditional, it may very easily feel like you are trapped because you have a role, but you're not feeling seen. And I mean, that is the easiest way to deplete someone's energy and life force. I mean, the whole, the great resignation that we have been hearing about in recent years, you can try to ascribe all sorts of economic reasons why, but... I bet that it has to do with people not feeling seen and the exchange not being worth it because of it. So we've been talking a lot about feeling seen and it it makes complete intuitive sense to me and I expect to a lot of people that phrase. But I do think it would probably be useful before we go on too, too much further to pull on that thread a little bit more and, and discuss in a little more depth what's involved in feeling seen and what's involved in seeing other people. We're going to have to think about that one and we can take that up next time. So that will be our next episode and we hope that you'll join us. (laughs) 